Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to What's in a Name, the podcast all about what names mean and how they came to be. I am James. And I'm Anna. And this episode, we're looking at the building blocks, specifically the building blocks of architectural language. Yeah. Does that work? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> we discussed it beforehand, but we didn't get far enough to be specific. <laughs> yes, I think there's a, there's a definite comparison to be drawn. What are words, if not sentence bricks? <laughs> Why does that make letters? Uh, sand. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know enough about brick construction to, <laughs> to extend this metaphor. We should definitely pull out immediately. I'm definitely an expert. Ask me anything. <laughs> <laughs> do you know, I, I actually do know why there are so many yellow bricks in London. Okay, why's that? It's because the, the clay beneath London is that colour and that's what they use for the bricks. See, that's how you get regional specific... Okay, I have strong opinions about architectural style, but that's not what this is. We're focusing on words. I've had to really rein myself in from talking about architecture. I'm just going to talk about words, I promise. <laughs> I'd quite like to hear the architecture stuff, to be honest. Feel free to check in your opinions, no matter how um, <laughs> iconoclastic they may be. I will try to formulate some opinions immediately. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> is this... I mean, um, we'll get into that, actually. I was going to ask you about brutalism, but maybe later. Maybe it'll come up. <laughs> who who knows we do we know we talked about it <laughs> but we're going to start with a section which is words about words mm -hmm. right because That's we've made right. some discoveries which will help us discuss what we're actually talking about yes exactly exactly because we've spent so much time talking about words that are related to other words and words that come from other words and it turns out there's words for that <laughs> there is for everything more specific words than synonyms. Exactly. When you're looking at a parent or a root word, the first word that we know of that the others come from, we call it the etymon. That makes sense, right? As in etymology. Etymon, etymological, monsters, etymons are the champions. <laughs> you could have gone with Pokemon, but you didn't. Hell no. <laughs> you went with the much, much maligned. Some would say justifiably maligned. <laughs> Did you, man? How dare you? And I respect that How dare without you? also liking it. <laughs> Listen, if you want to do a Pokemon version of the song, you absolutely can. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so the parent or root word is the etymon. The words that arise from that root word are called derivatives of that word. 
and um, different words that are derived from the same etymon, so like sibling words, I guess, if you're looking at it like a family tree, are called cognates. So we're often talking about, oh, cognates, like um, whenever you think of a root word and you go, oh, as in, and list off the other words that contain that root. I'm always very impressed. I don't always know to call them cognates, so now I do. I'm going to try and employ all of these terms in the coming episode. <laughs> okay, let's try and employ them correctly so that we don't embarrass ourselves. <laughs> what were they again? <laughs> <laughs> so you've got etymon is the parent, the derivatives are the children, and they are cognates of each other, like siblings. I think I can cope with that. I only learned this yesterday, so <laughs> it's still budding in, but I'm sure like a lot of people who listen to this podcast probably already know that, but whatever, I'm I'm learning, I'm getting there. So shall we start off and do some talking about architectural words? Let's do it. Let's go. Let's start with everyone's favorite architectural style. Mm-hmm. Brutalism. Okay. Um, so the reason I'm fascinated by brutalism is because I keep trying to understand it. Again, I'm not going to go into the whole sort of philosophy that it arises from. It's very interesting if you want to do some reading up on it. But if you're not familiar, it's the very concrete rectangular structures, um, such as car parks. <laughs> <laughs> Or as in the the National Film Theatre. Sure, sure. In, uh, on London's South Bank. Yeah, lots of London landmarks are brutalist and that's the great. The Barbican. The Barbican. The incredibly told, beautiful Barbican. So I'm told. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm trying. I'm trying to understand it. That's why I keep coming back to it. Because I think part of my impression of it was formed around the assumption that it was to do with being brutal. This is a common misconception. I've looked into it. It has nothing to do with brutality. Um, and it's actually a corruption of the French béton brut, which means raw concrete. So béton refers, it derives from bitumen, which is Latin. It's from the Proto-Indo-European... Oh boy, I can't pronounce that. <laughs> can I spell this for you so you can understand why I can't tell you the Proto-Indo-European word? Sure. It's spelled... Asterisk G, superscript W, E with an acute accent, T U. Isn't I'm pretty sure that's uh, Grimes and Elon Musk's <laughs> next child. So that's um, maybe it's pronounced Guetu, uh, but the asterisk G W commonly becomes a B sound, so that turns into Betu, bitumen and beton. Um, then we've got brute. The brute part of that is from the Latin brutus, meaning heavy and dull, which is from the Proto-Indo-European asterisk G, superscript W, R, <laughs> E with an acute over it, H, subscript number two, and then U-S. How, how? Okay, I clearly have a lot more learning to do when it comes to Proto-Indo-European, because I don't have a clue. I, mean, I think I think what the learning we have to do is into um, phonemes. Yes, yes. I think that one is pronounced smash mouth. So <laughs> that turned into brute. So that's However, good. it's interesting that you brought that word up, right? Because mm -hmm. the, the Proto-Indo-European root of Brutus um, meant heavy. Yes, yes it does. Are you aware what words are derived from heavy in English now, from that protein in the European root of heavy, sorry? Well, in all honesty, brutality is one of them, isn't it? Brutality is one of them, yeah. Yeah. Um, other ones that are also from the same root, mm -hmm. um, from the same etym etymon. Yes. <laughs> uh, include guru. Guru. Uh, gravitas. Wow. And grief. Oh, this is extremely good. Yeah. 
See how much cleverer we sound already. I mean, it's it sort of makes sense why, like, grief, for example, would would derive from heavy because you know it is it's something that weighs heavily upon you. The same gravitas is something yes. that that has a lot of importance and therefore a lot of weight and therefore is heavy. Yeah. The thing I find most interesting is guru because I I guess it's a similar thing in that someone who has a lot of knowledge is you know if if someone tells you something profound and you go wow that's heavy yeah absolutely i assume it's similar in that regard like that's oh that's a related meaning definitely that weighty connotation is one that's kind of pervasive across time isn't it nice nice so um the good thing about the word brutalism is that as a school of architecture it was invented recently enough or the core principles were set out recently enough that there's no time fog we can talk exactly about where the phrase originated and precisely when and who, who by so there was an architect called Le Corbusier who Corbusier yeah that's right who coined the term bit en brut during the construction of Unité d'habitation in Marseille um, but it was built in 1952 so there you go that's when the word came about nice um, now the interesting thing is Le Corbusier isn't his name it's a nickname that he chose his real name was Charles Edouard Jean Gris. Uh, and Le Corbusier means the crow-like one. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cool. As in Corvid, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Corbusier was great. He um, made the one of my favourite quotes, phrases, uh, which is, a house is a machine for living in. Okay, that's a really good phrase. I think about that all the time. <laughs> so, I mean, like I say, I've looked into this before because the phrase raw concrete, I never thought twice about it. It just seemed obvious to me, but... Um, I decided to finally check out what that actually means. <laughs> um, what raw means in that context is that it's left unfinished after being cast. So once it's been poured and shaped into what it needs to be, there's no polishing, no sanding down seams or anything. So it's not the material itself, mm-hmm. but it's an architectural style of the material. Uh, and I looked into concrete as well. Can I do that? Yeah, please. So concrete is from the Latin concrete or concresca, to grow together is what that means. Um, and it's good because it's got that con part, which we recognise as the etymon of things like convention, uh, chili con carne. You know, <laughs> anything that's got a con in means together yeah. or with. Conclave, concurrence. Right. Yeah. And the crete uh, is from cresca, meaning to grow, as in crescendo, crescent. Yeah, nice. So concrete is a cognate with croissant, which is pretty great. <laughs> That is pretty great. <laughs> so that made me happy. That's everything I've got on brutalism. Ah, I really enjoyed that. I'm glad. I'm going to take a slightly different... So we just talked about a school of architecture, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to talk about an architectural feature. I always wondered how how grotesques differed from gargoyles specifically. Because I remember ah. learning about grotesques in school as as like something that was stuck under buildings and i was like aren't these just gargoyles so i thought i'd take a sort of etymological journey around it um grotesque specifically comes from the french grotesque um which is a shortening of the phrase opera grotesque uh, which means work resembling that found in a grotto (laughs) (laughs) really yeah grotto-esque exactly Um, wow (laughs) so in this context, grottos were types of room in um, like ancient Roman buildings, which contained murals of like weird creatures, typically. Um, and those, the the carvings of you know these sort of demon-like creatures, 
are in the style of the those murals found in grottos, which okay. is why they're called grotesques. Um, no. Which so now we know where grotesque come from. I was like, so what have gargoyles got to do with grotesques? Because mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned, they look the same. There is a very specific um, additional feature that gargoyles have, which grotesques don't. That's right. <laughs> Are you aware of it? Is it the water spout? It is the water spout. So gargoyles are grotesque that have a water spout and protrude from the building as a result to try and and get rainwater away from the building, basically, to stop it making the building dirty, to stop it running into the windows. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, And this is the fun bit. The word gargoyle comes from the French gargouille, meaning throat. Mm -hmm. It's related to gargle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. It does make sense now, doesn't it? (laughs) I would never have connected those two words before. So yeah, that's not a massive diversion. That's as much as I've got. But I really enjoyed learning that, that that gargoyles on a building are related to gargling the sound you make with your throat. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, in um, Hunchback of Notre Dame, the Disney movie, mm-hmm. I think there's a scene where the gargoyles are talking with rainwater pouring through their mouths. <laughs> so it does make a gargling sound. And I think I must have connected those two dots without ever really knowing why. That's very cool. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, about this episode beforehand because he's my friend that I draw floor plans with. We're very <laughs> cool and we draw floor plans for fun. So I mentioned it to him and he said, oh, you should talk about some of the Scottish specific uh, architectural words like harling. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh, yes, that would be so interesting. Whereas in my head, I was just thinking, what is harling? I don't know anything about this. So um, I tried to pass that off as just enthusiasm to learn more, which of course was uh, sincere. Um, But I've looked into it. I've learned what harling is. Are you familiar with it at all? Not in the slightest. So harling is a rough cast wall finish of lime and aggregate. Uh, You'll see it on Scottish and Ulster buildings, like including castles, and it protects against wet climate. Mm Mm-hmm. I've just Googled it. I have seen mm-hmm. that in normally in coastal right. towns, I would say. Yeah, which makes sense. Which yeah. makes sense. It does weatherproof the building. So um, hull is a Scots word for, it's H-A-R-L. It's a Scots word for dragging or scraping because okay. it's applied in a fluid state and scraped across the walls with a trowel. Um, it's also possibly, a, hull is possibly a cognitive hall meaning to pull or draw forcibly, H-A-U-L. Mm-hmm. And both of them are derivatives of the etymon hail, a Middle English verb meaning drag or pull, H-A-L-E, as you would a rain or a bowstring, which is possibly from the French hailer, from the Proto-Germanic halon, which meant to call. Interesting. So I think that's really interesting that call meant pull so soon, or rather relatively soon in the word's journey. And now it means to scrape across stone. So that's what harling is and what it means and where it comes from. Okay, I will uh, move us on. There is a a word in town planning it comes from, uh, which is exurbia. Now, Mm -hmm. I imagine you can figure out what that means just from the etymology of it, right? Just from the component parts. Ex meaning out of and urbia meaning the city. Mm -hmm. So out of the city. Yeah, it means every, it means, you know, the land that is not within the city. Sure. Um, so I was just sort of looking into urban as a word off the back of that. Um, I thought exurbia was a really interesting concept because uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of city centric. So that's just a diversion. That's something I found interesting is that it's it's an urban centric term for 
everything that is not the urban areas. Um, yeah, it's not a word I've heard before. Yeah, no, me neither. <laughs> um, obviously, we've heard of suburbia, right? Which is the sure. the small cities, you know, the the bits on the outskirts of the city. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you know where urban as a term comes from? Carl Urban <laughs> invented it yeah. shortly before starring in Star Trek. <laughs> he was also in Judge Dredd. <laughs> was it after that, though? Yeah. Okay, so after Judge Dredd. After and Judge Dredd, Star but Trek, before Star Trek, yeah. <laughs> Carl Urban invented the term urban. Um, but no, it's from uh, a Latin word, herbs, which means a walled city. Okay. Um, herbs. It gets better, though, because... Um, herbs is a derivative of a Proto-Indo-European word, which was gerdos. One of its derivatives is gerd. Yeah. Yeah. So gerdos, which uh, is synonymous with gerd, means to enclose. Mm-hmm. Right? So yes. in, in this case, the Latin version refers to the enclosure of the wall around the city. Um, there are... Sim- there are more words, however, that um, are derived from the etymon gerdos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm going to give you a, a list of things which, you know, share share an etymon with city. Um, <laughs> garden. You're doing so well. <laughs> Gardens one. Okay. Um, uh-huh. Girdle and girth. Yeah. You know, being from an island, I have heard it referred to as girt by sea. So it's still in usage in some specific contexts enclosed by sea it makes sense very nice very nice i'll add that to my uh, vocabulary <laughs> and so again while i was doing this this um research i looked into sort of related words um mm-hmm. have you heard the phrase urbane you must have heard the word urbane right urbane yeah. sure meaning sort of civilized yeah. <laughs> suave. Uh, it, it, li- it literally comes from urbanus um yeah man of the city yeah and i just i like the idea that people in the cities or within sort of roman culture would say that you know these people are urbane they they have the manners of townspeople it makes you wonder how long the sort of idea of a rural hick has been around probably for as long as there have been cities right how often does it go all the way back to ur in mesopotamia (laughs) that's what i want to know oh gosh Maybe. Maybe. Can I tell you about Balcony? You can. I almost looked into this and then I got distracted and went elsewhere, so I'm I'm excited to hear more. Ooh. Nice. Okay, well, um, Balcony is from the Italian Balcon. Uh, the root is probably Germanic. It may be related to the Old English word balca, meaning beam or ridge. I think that's quite likely. Um, balk has also been spelled B-A-L-C in the Old English or B-A-L-K. Um, it may be from Balka, the Old Norse, which means partition, and also led to bulkhead, the dividing wall between sections of a ship or aircraft. There wasn't much more to say about that, I just wanted to get it out there. Oh, did you look into the word architecture itself at all? I didn't, I always forget to do the, the main one. <laughs> well, it came via French, Italian and Latin from the original Greek, where it was architect, archi meaning chief, and tecton meaning builder. Okay. Yeah. I like it. Thought it was just important to cover the basics Chief there. Chief Builder. Yeah, makes sense, doesn't yeah. it? He's the one who says what goes where. So, where else can we find this arc word? Like, what's archaeologist got to do with architecture? Is that chief... Chiefiologist? Uh, probably arch, right? As an archdeacon. 
or archbishop. Yeah, yeah, presumably. Possibly. I feel the need to look that up, actually. Yeah, let's do it now. Yeah, arch meaning chief. So, archaeologist then. Can we find out what that is? Archaeos meant ancient. Okay, so maybe it means like foremost or prime, you know? Arch as a sort of highest and oldest. And archaeologer was Greek for ancient history. As in archetype. Archetype, right. You got any other good words for us to go over? Uh, so I've got one more, which is uh, Byzantine. Ooh, nice. So, so I mean, in, in daily conversation, if you say that something is Byzantine, mm. you tend to mean that it is complex. So I, I wondered whether Byzantine as an architectural style referred to sort of complexity. Turns out that although Byzantine as in architecture and Byzantine as in labyrinth have the same root, which is uh, Byzantium, the one-time head of the Roman Empire in Turkey, the version that means sort of complex and difficult is um, related to the sort of famous bureaucracy of the Roman Empire. Right. Whereas the architectural version refers specifically to the... um, (laughs) to the the style of architecture that was popular in the city oh that's really interesting so we have two words which mean sort of completely different things byzantine architecture means that there are lots of arches and supported domes and elaborate capitals on the pillars Ooh, okay it's nothing to do with being um complex and uh, maze-like that is really good to know mm-hmm. byzantium is a heck of a name isn't it the etymology of Byzantium as a name is unknown. Uh, according to Google, it's of Thracio-Illyrian origin. Ooh. There was apparently, in uh, Thrace, there was a name, uh, Byzas. And uh, there is a Greek legend that King Byzas mm-hmm. was uh, one of the founders of Byzantium. So it's possible that Byzantium was named after, you know, King Byzas, but no one knows for sure. That is extremely good. It is one of the time fog situations. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for that. Are we going to move on to our final section? Oh, well, not final. Penultimate section. Penultimate section? (laughs) The castle's round. Yes, I've decided it's a one-off. I'm going to give James a quiz. It's no recipe corner, but let's go for it. (laughs) We're calling it the castle's round until I think of a funnier, cleverer name, at which point I'll make James edit it in, so it sounds like I was a genius all along. (laughs) I wonder how how many months that's going to be. Hey, hey now. (laughs) Okay, so the way it works is that there are a possible two points on each question. There are five questions. One point for telling me what it means Mm -hmm. and one point for telling me anything about where it comes from or any of its cognates. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much, Victoria Corrin Mitchell. (laughs) So the first word is moat. Moat. What can you tell me about moat? Um... So, do I have to say what it means? Yep, first of all, what yeah, is it? Yeah, so a moat is a, a pit around, a defensive pit around a castle, typically filled with water. Very nice. And where does it come from? Uh, it's a, a derivation of a motorboat. No. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Can you give me any of its other cognates? Um, motor mouth. <laughs> sure. Okay, so that's one point. That's not bad. <laughs> Are you going to give me an answer? Absolutely. So it's from the old French moat, M-O-T-E, meaning mound. So it actually referred to a defensive hill originally. I almost said that, as in Motten Bailey. 
as in Martin Bailey, absolutely. Um, so the next question: What is the Bailey part of that? Uh, it's the the fence, isn't it, around the or the enclosure? It is indeed the enclosure. Very nice. And can you tell me anything about the etymology of Bailey? Um, it's the singular form of the alcoholic drink. <laughs> sure. Ah, the singular form when you have a, a mere one Bailey. <laughs> Uh, See, you've let the side down there because we've kind of covered it. In our sports episode, we talked about uh, bail. As in cricket. As in rod and stick. Rod and stick is the one, possibly from the Latin baculum. (laughs) But yeah. It's good good that it sinks in, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. It's just been too long, to be fair. (laughs) Okay, uh, the next one we're going to look at is bulwark. Bulwark. Mm-hmm. Um, no, nah, I've got nothing on this one. Okay, it's a defensive wall, and it comes from bowl and work. Uh, bowl, of course, referring to trunk or stem, as we again covered in our sports episode. Mm. So again, think about bollards and billiards. Of we've, course. we've discussed that. Mm-hmm. Of course. Very nice. Uh, the next one is battlement. Battlement. I mean, so it's something French, right? Well, battlements are like ramparts, right? The is it specifically the um. The bit you can stand on around the ramparts. Okay, very good. Yeah, I'll give you the meaning point for that. It is the walkway. Wow, I'm smarter than I thought. (laughs) Technically, it refers to the defensive low wall between chest height and head height. But yes, the walkway is part of that. Yeah, okay. I'll give you that point. So, battlements, I guess, related to Bastille, maybe? Well, I mean, it comes from battle, you know. Okay. Batella. Batella, maybe? The old French? Means to fortify with movable defence turrets. Okay. A bit less familiar with that one, but um, I'll give you the point because I haven't checked where Bastille comes from and it <laughs> probably is related. Actually, no, I should do this properly, shouldn't I? Bastille comes from Old French Bastille, which means to sow. So no, actually, it is not related to that. Damn it. Yeah, sorry. Next, we've got the last one, crenellations. Crenellations. Uh, crenellations are the uh, raised and lower parts that you can sneak behind. Sneak behind? Uh, like, I'm trying to think. They look like teeth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those are crenellations. They are. They are. And can you tell me any other words that they're associated with? Uh, cren... No. <laughs> no is the answer. Okay, I think that's reasonable. Reasonable. It's a correct answer, but it won't get you the point. <laughs> um, so it's uh, from the Latin crenella. It's a diminutive of crena, mm-hmm. which means notch or serration, um, which is a cognate with cranny, as in every nook and cranny. Okay. There's also a feature called crenels, which is the enclosed arrow slits. For a fun bonus fact, apparently, the solid widths between the crenels are called merlins. Merlins? Yeah, beats me. Okay, so that gives you a total of four out of ten. Nice. That is not bad. That is not bad at all. (laughs) I take back the smarter than I thought comment. Well, (laughs) given that we have not had a quiz round before, you've just set the highest record. So I I wouldn't go too hard on yourself. Does that mean I'm going to have to give you a quiz next time? Oh, would you? Yeah. You know, I love being quizzed. (laughs) (laughs) Ask me how to spell stuff. I will be away. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I'm gonna I'm gonna come at you with something upsetting. <laughs> I wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Alright, so are we on to uh, any other names? 
we are on to our final section, any other names. Yeah. Um, so this is where we either come up with new terms for existing things or invent new words uh, around the subject we've been talking about. Okay. Uh, perhaps for concepts that don't exist. Possibly. Possibly. Yes. I have stuck to existing features this time. Interesting, because I went the other direction and it's normally me Ooh. doing that, so... Fun. Well, I want to hear what you've come up with. Um, okay, so I was thinking about how there's a, a tendency with modern architecture to create buildings that are incredibly elaborate and meaningful and beautiful and made from sustainable materials. And sometimes you get the sense that actually the buildings are more interesting than the stuff they house. True, um, true. So I have come up with the word uh, amplomurus, which is uh, a word that means improved by walls for for any institution that is somehow better for being in the building than it's in. Oh, like a cathedral. Yes, for example. That's beautiful. Amplomurus. Yeah, so it comes from Latin amplo, meaning to improve, and murus, mm-hmm. meaning walls, as in, you know, mural. Mural. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, that's really impressive. I like that word. Good. Um. I have, I will say my words are less uh, grand than that. <laughs> Go for it. For example, I mean, basically a lot of the words we use for regular things are quite dull already. I think wall is terrible. <laughs> we can go with murus if you like. Wall, or if you're American, it's wall. And it's like, in no language does that sound good. In no accent is that a sexy or fun word to say. The wall. No, probably not. <laughs> the wall. Um so, so I've decided that it needs something with a bit more levity to it, and I thought about how it's basically a stack of bricks, bricks on bricks, and then I thought about the phrase bric-a-brac, which means odds and ends. So I think um, bric-a-brac is probably a really good name for a wall. It's short for bricks <laughs> on bricks. Fair enough. Yep. <laughs> I suspect it might not catch on, but well, I think we'll, we'll start see. using it we'll and see. see how it goes. It is more fun. You never know what's going to catch on, do you? <laughs> exactly. I also did banister because I thought, okay, if I'm making people say longer things for wall, uh, I should make them say something shorter for banister. Banister does sound pretty, um, pretty classy though, doesn't it? It does. It's got that, it's got that French aristocratic um, thing going for it. Sure, and until weirdly recently, um, it was more common to say baluster. The ballast, as in it's balustrade. Just, it's just a corruption of baluster, as in balustrade. Absolutely, it's from ballast, which is a uh, the wild pomegranate flower and it's due to the shape of like a balustrade if you think about the wider part of the base and the narrow part of the top i like anything with a bit of poetry to it so it's extremely classy but it's also quite long to say and thinking about the shape of the banisters i'm looking at right now they're not wild pomegranate flowers they're just sticks (laughs) we already know what the etymon for sticks is so i think it should be renamed balls balls b-o-l-l-s so you're you're taking one incredibly dull word and then adding another incredibly dull word to the language. Yes, just in the interest of balance. So we have bric-a-bracs <laughs> instead of walls and balls instead of banister. I might have made everything worse, but I stand by it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I've got another one, which is that you know when you know when people go into uh, a large room and they will mm-hmm. say things like, "This is an amazing space." Yes. I was thinking there must be a better word for that than space. Okay. So I propose that we use the word uh, circumbis. 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 Circum. Oh, circum. Circumbis. Yeah. 
And that word comes from uh, circum, meaning around or to surround, mm-hmm. and uh, abyss, meaning uh, hole or space. Interesting. Are they both Greek? They're both Latin, I think. I feel like there's some mixing there. Are you sure about that? <laughs> no, it says from late Latin abyssus, a bottomless gulf. Mm, but that's oh, from but from Greek. ancient... Yeah, well, mm, if it yeah. came from ancient Greek through Latin, I think we can let it through. Well, I guess. I, I mean, it works. It works as a word. Good. <laughs> <laughs> you know how I feel about those aberrations. They're fine, and I'm fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone on record as saying I'm fine with those. <laughs> yeah, you've you've made it incredibly clear at length how fine, how fine I you are with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have, I have. I try not to be awful. Is the position of this podcast (laughs) that Latin-Greek conjunctions are allowed. Completely. Who am I to say, you know? Who am I? Who who am I to say? (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, the amnesia is back. I think we're going to have to quit the podcast while I give you a swift education and remind you who you are. Show me the VHS tape, let's do it. (laughs) Right, and that was it for another episode. Uh, We will try and be back slightly more quickly (laughs) next time. Life gets in the way, doesn't it? We will do our best. We won't promise weekly, but we will certainly do our best. We have missed you. This has been a lot of fun. (laughs) Uh, My name is James, and you can find me on Twitter at at James Hunt. And my name is Anna, and you can find me on Twitter at Boots Magoot, which if you're listening to this, you already know. Because I don't know anyone from anywhere else. <laughs> uh, there is a joint Twitter account, which is at YN Podcast, W-I-A-N Podcast, uh, where you will find subscription links, uh, word-related nonsense. Um, not a lot recently, because we no longer have commutes, which used to be the primary time for updating it. But um, we'll get back to <laughs> it, really it sometime. It really was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I tweet yeah. from there occasionally, mostly retweeting other cool etymolog- etymological facts I find. Exactly. Um, so, goodbye. We'll see you soon. Bye. make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer it streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy mail checks invoices legal documents and everything you need to keep your business running with stamps.com seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.